Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two, 8.05 the time. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, the world's biggest spa sale, continues at 2120 Witten Road. That is just north of I-40. It is a lovely morning, 72 degrees, clear skies. It will get a little warmer, though. 92 is the expected high. Also tonight, we're looking at a low of about 68 in clear skies. So we got a little bit of a heat wave the next few days, but Saturday looks to be absolutely spectacular for the Memphis Tigers and Boise State Showdown, 3 o'clock at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. And speaking of the Tigers, it's time to talk to Coach Silverfield. It's time to talk Memphis Tigers football. It's Sports 56 Morning's weekly visit with Tigers head coach Ryan Silverfield. Brought to you by ATC Fitness, with 18 locations in Memphis and the Mid-South. Now, here's Coach Silverfield with Greg and Eli. He is indeed the head coach of the Memphis Tigers, who you can follow on Twitter at rsilverfield. He is Ryan Silverfield. He joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. Hey, Coach. Morning, guys. How are you? Doing fantastic. Hope you're doing well. So, Ryan, let me ask you this to start things off. Uh, After... Coming back home from St. Louis and looking at all the tape and talking to everybody uh, within the coaching staff, how did you guys feel about your overall effort, your performance? Well, look, the performance itself was not good enough. We didn't execute. Um, we had opportunities to go out there and, and win a football game versus a very good SEC opponent on the road, uh, but we didn't execute. Uh, the effort, however, was fantastic. Uh, the guys battled. They they come out swinging. Um, they were resilient. So all those things that we wanted to see on the field as far as effort, energy, and mindset approach were phenomenal. Uh, we've got to execute better at a higher level. That started with me. I've got to put our guys in better position, um, and we got to go out there and make plays. But, look, uh, yeah, as you guys always know, I know we got to talk about that game's in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. We learned a lot from it. But, the uh, like I said, the approach and the effort on the field was good. We just got to execute at a higher level. What What – is there particular areas of execution that you look at? Yeah, all, all, all three phases. I mean, obviously, right. um, there's certain things we got cleaned up. Pleased with what, uh, you know, look, Tanner Gillis coming out, a name that, you know, if you looked at the depth mm-hmm. chart, I think was listed as a third-string punter, mm-hmm. um, you know, went out and, and did a nice job for us um, in an emergency situation. Um, you know, but the execution, you know, as an offense, there's a couple times versus a very good defense like that, you can't shoot yourself in the foot. we got... You know, two penalties, um, a drop here or there, um, and obviously the interceptions at the end and the fumble. I mean, just those things will will cost you every darn time, especially versus a very good opponent. Exactly. And then defensively, you know, obviously, look, second player of the game, uh, one of our best, most trusted guys on defense had a blown assignment, um, and he'll be the first to admit it. And then, you know, the explosiveness of trying to handle their star number three, we you know, end up suffering some and what we're trying to do against the run in the second half. So a combination of all that stuff, um, and that's what led us, unfortunately, to, to falling short. All right, n- not to dwell too much on that. We're going to move on to Boise State here. But just one other thing, and you, you basically talked about the, the mistakes that were made, and you're absolutely right. You you can't afford to make mistakes against a, a good football team. It's hard to come back from it. But they were able to expose the middle of your defense several times with their 
with their speed on the outside. Burden is is a beast. They'll be playing on Sundays. Was that more scheme of what they were doing and you guys weren't doing, or was that just talent from the offense of Missouri being able to do what they did? Look, let's give credit where it's due. They're a very talented team. Uh, Luther Burden uh, is arguably <laughs> an all-American candidate, and I think anybody who watches him play will mm-hmm. agree. Um, but, you know, there's things that we can clean up on our end, and we will, and we have. Um, we've got a very talented team, and we, we'll put our guys against anybody. But, you know, unfortunately, we didn't go out there and execute like we needed to. As you look forward to this Boise team, um, a team that, after getting off to an 0-2 start, now has won two in a row, got themselves a nice win last week. What strikes you first as you look at Boise State? Yeah, I mean, they're a really good football team. They should... Look, they they lost to Washington, and Washington's a top ten team in the country, and rightfully so. At Washington, um, they actually were beating the crud out of Central Florida most of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Central Florida literally won that game with a last second field goal. So, I mean, think about this: a Big Twelve, you know, opponent in Central Florida. Um, they should have beaten them, and they had every opportunity to. And then they go out there and you know put together back to back wins, and a big win for them at San Diego State, where they actually won that game pretty handily once the fourth quarter got going. Um, they are. They have a, a very, very physical big O line, very similar to what we just saw in Missouri. You guys know that those uh, Midwestern guys and those guys, you know, that, that they get, they get a lot of big players on the O line. Uh, they're big and physical. And, uh, their running back number two is the best running back I've seen on film this year. I'll say that again. Their running back, and that's not a stretch, just because we're playing them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look. I think he's leading the country in all-purpose yards. Uh, Ashton Gentry. I mean, if we don't tackle him properly, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. He is phenomenal. Uh, you sit there and watch him, and you watch that San Diego State game, you'll, you'll get a, a lump in your throat because it is <sighs> scary how dangerous he is. Uh, combined with that offensive line, combined with a quarterback that's six six two twenty, they can run, they can throw the ball a country mile, uh, and then you go back and look, their defense is a defensive head coach. And <laughs> I mean, the thing about what they did to Central Florida, really, to hold them under 10 points most of the game, um, versus we know what type of offense UCF is. It sits there and says, oh gosh, this is the one of those Boise teams of old, so we're going to have to play a complete game for four quarters. It's a very, very talented team. You, you guys have had a lot of success over the last decade, and, and I hate to put it into power conference versus non-power conferences, but just to make this point, they have been the poster child for the non-Power Five, right? Again, you've had a lot of success, and when UCF was in your conference, they had success. But Boise State's kind of been that poster child. This is a, a big-name brand that's coming to Memphis. Um, yeah, and this is this is where I just sat there and, and, and almost in awe, right? And I mentioned this in my press conference because they have been what every, uh, if you will, and I don't like to use the term, mm-hmm. non-Power Five, right. had, had, had aspired to be. Even when we got here, when I got here eight years ago, man, let, let's this could be like a Boise, right? Uh, and I've read this because this is at the top of their notes. 726 all-time win percentage. 35 conference championships. 35 conference championships. I mean, that's absurd, unheard of. And 650 all-time bowl win percentage. I mean, a 726 all-time win percentage and 35 conference championships. That's a program that has had success throughout their entire history. And I'm not just talking about, hey, winning right. conferences. I'm talking about beating big-name teams and big and bowls and what they've done. Um, and you sit there and say, Man, and it's just a rolling thing with what they're able to do. You mentioned the quarterback, Taylor Green, who last year was kind of pressed into duty. Then he ends up winning the freshman of the year in their conference. 
Um, certainly, he had uh, over th- he had three 100 yard games last year on the ground. What? How much does he look to run? What? How much do they want to use him in the running game versus throwing? Well, so you know, their their head coaches mentioned, hey, they want to use him when it's necessary, right? So, like last week, uh, they had to get some of the offense going. You know, he ran it in for a score, pulled it on a a zone read, and so part of their elements in their zone read game or the handoff. That's what gives you the thing. You're gonna we're gonna have to swarm to number two. Uh, the running back, but then as soon as the quarterback pulls it, I mean, you've got to be good on your keys. It's almost like playing a trip option team. Mm. It's not like they have a 100 design runs for them, but it's going to be part of their game plan. Uh, they're going to try to take advantage of obviously going after their running back. I thought one of the, the real positives, and nobody's into consolations and, uh, and, and that type of stuff, but coming out of the game against Missouri, I was very impressed with how physical your team was from the get-go. Because against Navy, that first half, you were out physical and then had to find a way in the second half. But you came out and you were punching them around and taking punches, and that's what a, a heavyweight boxer has to do. I would imagine it's going to have to be similar against Boise State that you're going to have to play a real physical game and kind of set the tone. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, that was one of the things that we were proud of in the Missouri game. Our guys won't back down. They came out swinging. And the physical mindset, right? I mean, last time we played Missouri, I believe six years ago, I mean, they put up 65 points on us. They tossed us around. Right. Was, um, as the old line coach, I was embarrassed because I felt like I obviously, we didn't have our guys ready to go into that fight. And our, our, our front seven got absolutely demolished in that game. Um, I don't think that was the case. I don't think anybody put it on the film and said, wow, um, you know, the, the trenches got embarrassed versus an SEC opponent. But um, yeah, we're, we have to hang our hat on being able to be physical and Boise State is a physical team. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to line up and run it down our throat. Um, you watch what they've done to these opponents and how they can do it. Um, their line is huge. Their line is going to look very similar if you just if you just close your eyes and took away the uniforms to what we saw last week in the right. SEC opponents. So um, we know it's going to be another dogfight. It's a heavy one, uh, heavyweight one. Uh, uh, you know, the, the good news is the national brand coming here to Memphis, and we're excited about it. Their defense, the numbers don't look good, but they're distorted because of the Washington game, and that's no. <laughs> there's nothing to be disappointed with Washington lighting you up. They're doing that to everybody this year. So, what you mentioned, what they did to UCF, what is the strength of their defense? Yeah, look, their their D line. I mean, if you can imagine, like I said, they got a big O line. Their D line is just plays uh, does a great job of getting two hands on the guys and, and shedding the opponent. So a lot of times when you try to get the run game going. Um, their D-line is in the backfield um, and just this country strong and able to do a lot of things. Uh, their linebackers are downhill thumpers. And, and then their secondary, they've got a lot of faith in them. You know, they play mostly quarters coverage, but their ability for those guys to come down and make plays. But, um, look, I think for them, and you listen to their head coach, he's a defensive guy who actually works some with the defensive end, stand-up outside backers. You know, he talks about the, just being the ability to run the ball and stop the run. And uh, that's kind of what they're going to hang their hat on. All right, so other than, than not making as many mistakes as, as maybe last weekend, a couple of interceptions and things of that nature, what do you have to do specifically offensively against this defense to be consistent with your offense scoring points to be able to win this game? Yeah, sustain some drives. Uh, you know, and that's and I went back, you know, and, and Greg, I often look and say, okay, what is it that it, it, you know keeps a team from being really, really good in certain aspects? And so much in college football this day, and it's <laughs> and it sounds so corny, but the reality of it, it's you know even when I, you guys hear me talk to other guys, 
the keys to victory, it doesn't really change. Can you be consistent and no self-inflicted mm-hmm. wounds? Um, because college games, right, you go back and watch. I showed our team the UVA-NC State game. I mean, that game, the last 45 seconds of that game was absolutely outrageous because of things that can occur in a college football game. So just being consistent, no self-inflicted wounds. And then they, when the opportunities are there, go take advantage of them. And I think that's one of those things that sometimes it may be a misthrow here or, you know, a holding penalty here or, um, you know, a guy runs the wrong route. You know, all those things combined, um, and then you can't get all, you know, the offense going and, and sustain some drives and, you know, find ways to get in the end zone. Even in the loss last week, your defense once again was really good on third downs against Missouri. They didn't have a third down conversion. What has been the secret on third down? Is that more about winning first and second down? <laughs> I think part of it, right? I mean, you know, if you can get guys to, <clears throat> you know, third or four more, at least like you feel like they have a chance. Now, more and more teams are being, um, you know, aggressive on third down because of analytics and all those things, ourselves included. But, yeah, part of it is, hey, can we be successful in first and second down and get them to a third down? Because mm-hmm. if, you, if every team is a third and one, well, odds are it's probably going to be a 60% conversion rate for the offense. But uh, the defense has done a nice job. I also think part of that is having a little depth. Um, you know, to be able to be good on third down means they're going to rush the passer a little bit now. Doesn't mean we're getting a ton of sacks and all that stuff, but maybe we're a little bit fresher in the secondary with some of our depth um, to be able to go out there and make plays on the ball and do the things we need to do. I know coaches are going to look at each game and say that we're not worried about the, the future. We're not. We're just worried about this week, and, and understandably so. But when I look at certain games and certain opponents on your schedule, I go, this, this one is a – an extremely important game. I think it's a tone setter. You start well. You already have the conference win at Navy, against Navy, but you got obviously Tulane coming in next week. And to be able to play well and win this weekend, I think can go a long way as far as momentum is concerned. You got the 2003 New Orleans Bowl team, basically a large contingent of former greats and D'Angelo Williams and Danny Wimprine and others that will be there to watch your team. You should have a huge crowd. I think this is a big game, again, against an opponent you've never played before that has been kind of the bell cow of the, the non-Power 5 conferences. Do you look at it any other way, or do you look at it as just, eh, it's another game? Well, look, I always um, – I love the pageantry of college football. I love that. You guys will always know that I will say it's the next game, whether it's Bethune-Cookman or Notre Dame. Um, it, but it is the next one, so that's why it's the most important. But this is huge. This is going to be a fun one. I think we're going to have a massive crowd. The weather's going to be perfect. Like you said, honoring the, the great 20, 2003 team with D'Angelo and Wimprine. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a ton of recruits are there, and then the momentum going into the bye week is going to be huge. So we know what this means. Um, we can't you know, play out of our minds or out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got to go out there and play our best brand of football. And then when, you know, maybe around um, – 6.45 at night when I'm doing the, the sideline post-game interview with you. We can sit there with a smile on our face. Hey, I know you're getting out of practice this week. Uh, continued uh, success this week as you prep for the game. We'll see you on Saturday, Coach. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing all of our fans out there. Go Tigers. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan Silverfield, head football coach of the Memphis Tigers. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at rsilverfield. We appreciate ATC Fitness for sponsoring our segment each and every week with Coach Ryan Silverfield. When we come back, the Tiger football report continues as Eli will break down the Tigers and the Broncos. And again, I think this should be a whale of the game. Second hour of the program is brought to you each and every week, each and every week, each and every day. 
by James Gaddis Jewelers, your family's jeweler at 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. James is a huge football fan. He supports all the local teams. The guy, though, is a grad of Notre Dame. So he's a little disappointed this week that they weren't able to beat Ohio State. But, James, everything will be fine. This is a good team. You know the coach. He's a good coach. James Gaddis Jewelers, for your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler needs, you're looking for that special engagement ring. You're planning on popping the question during the holidays. You need to head over to James Gaddis Jewelers. Look, you got to look at a few different jewelers, right? Well, James Gaddis Jewelers, you, I could tell you because I know a lot of people, including Eli, who's purchased – an engagement ring, wedding rings from James Gaddis Jewelers. They're not second-guessing themselves. They love that purchase, and you will as well. These are diamonds that are independently graded and certified. So you know what you're getting, and they know there's a lot of competition, so they make sure they have a price point to suit everyone's budget. No matter you know what your, your limitations are financially, you know they're going to fit your needs. You're looking, again, for those special wedding rings, designed uh, wedding design, uh, <coughs> Excuse me, designed wedding sets, those personally designed wedding sets, they can do that for you as well. Plus, if you're looking for that special watch variety, including the Rolex watches, they have them all for you at James Gaddis Jewelers. Bracelets and necklaces, earrings and pendants, custom-made jewelry, and gemstones of every type. Look for your that monthly, um, your birthday, the gemstones. They'll have specials every single month on that, plus estate and vintage jewelry, and they're always adding to their collection. They have two repair experts to help you with your fine watches and jewelry. Layaway and financing is available. And if you need something appraised, James is a certified appraiser. Just bring it on in. They'll buy your silver, your gold, your diamonds. It's James Gaddis Jewelers, your family's jeweler, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick, and on the web at gaddisjewelers.com. Go see them today. Go see them this weekend. James Gaddis Jewelers. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Our thanks to head coach Ryan Silverfield for joining us. If you missed the interview, we'll post it for you on the website, sportsmemphis.com. It'll be under featured audio, or you can check out the podcast, Hour 2 podcast here on Sports 56 Mornings. Uh, That's what Ryan Silverfield had to say about this big matchup with Boise State. Now it's time to see what uh, Eli Savoy has come up with with all his research as it's the Tiger Football Report. That is right. The Tiger Football Report is brought to you by Central Barbecue, Ben Swanger Glass, Dave & Buster's, Car Corner on Mount Moriah, and La Guadalupana. It is the Memphis Tigers, 3-1 on the year. It gets the Boise State Broncos, 
who are 2-2 two and two on the season. It'll be at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. It will be televised on ESPN2. The head coaches, of course, we just talked with Ryan Silverfield in his fourth year as the head coach of the Tigers with a 24-17 and 17 record. Andy Avalos is in his third year as the head coach at Boise State with a 19-11 and 11 record. Interesting note on Andy Avalos. Boise State has only played in Memphis once. They've never played the Tigers. They played in Memphis one time. That was in the 2004 AutoZone Liberty Bowl. And Harold Grader, who will be here at hour number three, might remember this. Andy Avalos... In that 2004 AutoZone Liberty Bowl, which was a loss to Louisville in a very exciting game, had a 92-yard interception return for a touchdown. I remember so he, that. He's got fond memories of the stadium, even though Boise's only played here one time. Andy Avalos has very fond memories of the stadium. He has fond memories, and I believe, I don't know if it was Dave Lotion who said this yesterday, or somebody said this, and I heard them say that that play, Avalos had the touchdown, that was his last play in college football. That was it. Like, he was done. It's a pretty good way to end. <laughs> I mean, that's a walk-off, isn't it? Uh, the Tigers, of course, coming in off their first loss of the season against Missouri up in St. Louis last week. Boise comes in off a win at San Diego State, 34-31. They have won two straight after an 0-2 start. As I mentioned, this is the first ever meeting between the two schools. It is the first of a four-game series that is scheduled. They are scheduled to play in 2026 in Boise. Then in 2030, back here in Memphis, and 2031, back in Boise. The Tigers, 25-1 and in their last 26 non-conference home games. Of course, the only loss of their being UTSA last year um, in that tough one that they let get away from them. The Memphis offense coming in 39th in the country in total offense, 436 yards per game. They're up to 279 passing yards per game, uh, which is 33rd in the nation. 158 rushing yards per game. Only had 83 last week, though, against Missouri. They are 67th in the nation running the football. And their 37 points per game is good for 30th in the country. Quarterback Seth Hennigan has seen his completion percentage drop under 70% for the first time this year. He's at 69.4% now completion which is good for 27th in the nation. 1,107 yards, eight touchdowns, five interceptions, including two last week. He had only eight interceptions total in each of his first two seasons. So he is already over halfway to his total of each of the last two seasons through the first four weeks of this year. He does also have three rushing touchdowns on the season. Among the running backs, Blake Watson, again, Last week, just 47 yards rushing on 18 carries, but once again, able to do it through the air with nine catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. So on the season, 342 yards rushing and four touchdowns. He also has a team-high 24 receptions for 213 yards. He leads the American Conference and is ninth in the country with 138.8 scrimmage yards per game. Um, he continues to be the main force on offense, and he still is only one of only five guys in the nation with two rushes of 60 or more yards on the season as he had those two big runs against Navy. Rock Taylor had the big week last week, 
against Missouri, seven catches for 143 yards. He is second to Watson in catches with 22. He leads the team in yardage with 297 and has one touchdown. Demir Blakemsey, 15 catches, 166 yards and a touchdown. Joe Skates is the only receiver with multiple touchdowns. He has two touchdowns among his nine catches on the season. And Kobe Drake also has nine catches on the year for 94 yards. The Memphis defense, their defense tumbled a little bit. 542 yards given up will do that. Yep. They went from 7th in the nation in total defense to 39th in the nation in total defense after the 542 yards that Missouri had against them. They're giving up 320 yards per game total. Against the pass, still in the top 20, they're 18th in the nation at 170 yards per game. Um, Scoring-wise, 38th in the nation at 18.8 points per game. The strength of this has been third down. And this is what's great. They held Missouri 0 for 8 on third down last week. So Missouri, um, in getting the win, did not have a single third down conversion. They The Tigers are third in the nation in third down defense with teams converting on just 22.6% of third down. That's that's a good number. If you can you're keep gonna, it there, you're going to have some, some, some success. You're going to win a lot of games doing that. And they're also tied for 21st in takeaways with eight. So you're stopping on third down and you're getting takeaways. That bodes well for a defense. Those are those are two numbers that coaches like a lot. They're averaging seven tackles for loss per game, which is also 25th in the country. And tackles for loss lead to long third downs. That could help third down um, conversion rate as well. Chandler Martin continues to be outstanding, leading the team in tackles, in tackles for loss with three and a half. He's got 26 total tackles. Diego Brumfield, six pass breakups on the year. That's top 10 in the country. Ninth in the country in pass breakups with those six for Brumfield on the season for the Tigers' defense. Boise State come in offensively. Nothing spectacular by any means um, from their numbers. 396 yards per game. That's 65th in the nation. 225 passing yards per game. That's 85th in the nation. 45th in rushing yards at 171. And they're 76th in scoring at just 27.8 points per game. So the numbers certainly are not eye-popping when it comes to the offense for Boise State. Their quarterback is number 10, Taylor Green. He is a sophomore. Last year, when Hank Bachmeyer got hurt and then subsequently transferred, Green was the guy who stepped in. He started the last 10 games of the year last year and ended up being the Mountain West Conference Freshman of the Year. Threw for over 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, rushed for 586 yards and 10 touchdowns, had three 100-yard rushing games last year. This year, he's completing 53% of his passes, 738 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, 128 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the year so far for Green. Now at running back, they did have a preseason first-team all-conference selection. That is George Halani, who has had 2,000-yard seasons in his career, went over 1,100 yards last year. Actually, it was a lot of surprise to people that he came back. He got injured in week one, though, and he has missed the last three games there is no update on his status for this. They don't update injuries. 
They list him on their depth chart every week as the number one running back, even though he hasn't played for three straight weeks. So I I don't know. I assume he's still out, but nobody knows for sure because they do not give any updates whatsoever on injuries. But with Halani out, number two, Ashton Genty. This is the guy that Ryan Silverfield was talking about. He has been unbelievable. 407 rushing yards and six touchdowns, 285 receiving yards and two touchdowns on 18 catches, 173 scrimmage yards per game. That leads the nation. And his eight total touchdowns, that's tied for first in the nation. He ran for 205 yards last week against San Diego State. In their three games against FBS opponents, he has gone over 100 yards, either rushing or receiving in every one of the games. This dude is um, hes pretty dynamic. Well, they've had some great running backs over the years. Ian Johnson comes to mind. He did the proposal after the Fiesta Bowl. He was great. Doug Martin, who's played in the NFL for a long time. They're always able to get a, a very dynamic running back. The one thing to watch with Genty, he did have two fumbles in the North Dakota State game. Um, he lost two fumbles in that one. So see if uh, maybe fumbling could be an issue with him. He's not lost any fumbles in the other three games, but in that one, he did lose two fumbles. Their receivers, nothing spectacular there. Number 80, Eric McAllister leads the team. Um, He has 20 catches, 328 yards, and three touchdowns. Number five, Stephon Cobbs, 14 catches for 145 yards, and a touchdown is number two as far as the receivers go. But again, you've got Genty, who catches a lot of balls out of the backfield to that gets in the mix there as well. The Boise State defense, again, the numbers look bad, but they are distorted by the game against Washington. They are 117th overall, giving up 430 yards per game, 75th against the run at 136 per game, 124th against the pass, giving up 294 yards per game, and they're giving up nearly 31 points per game, which is 104th. But again, Washington got 490 (laughs) passing yards and 56 points against them, which Washington is doing against everybody they play. Mm -hmm. So those numbers, I don't know what to take out of them. A couple of guys to watch defensively, two guys in the linebacker core. Number 53, Marco Notriani. He leads the team in tackles. Tackles for loss and sacks on the season. He's got 28 tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, leading them in all three categories. Another linebacker, number 52, DJ Schramm, was was a preseason all-conference first-team selection. He was their leading tackler last year. Um, He's the only one of their five leading tacklers that came back from last year, but he led the team in tackles and, again, was a first-team all-conference selection in the preseason. Special teams-wise, they're set up pretty good. Their kicker, Jonah Delmas, 5-for-5 in field goals this year and has a long of 56 yards. So last week, saw a kicker who had a 61-yarder. This week, see a kicker who has a 56-yarder. And they've got an Australian punter, like so many others. James Ferguson Reynolds leads the country in punting Averaging over 51 yards per kick. Do they grow them down there like kangaroos? It's 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 incredible how many Australian punters are punting in college football. It's that Australian rules football gets you ready for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But yeah, 51 yards per kick. 
Um, he is averaging, which again is number one in the country and by a pretty wide margin as well. So they're set up pretty well as far as the kicking game is concerned. The Tigers, they are a three and a half point favorite currently in this game. The over under is sitting at 59 and a half for this one. Again, it's a three o'clock kickoff and you can watch it on ESPN two. If you're not headed out to the game, the Tiger football report is brought to you by Dave and Buster's. Central Barbecue, Ben Swinger Glass, Car Corner on Mount Moriah, and La Guadalupana. When we come back, we're going to give you a chance to win tickets to this game. Also, an opportunity, if you'd like, to call in or text in about the Tigers in Boise State, the importance of this game. Are you heading to the game on Saturday? 901-360-8255. That's coming up here in our final segment in hour number two. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 844 The Time. Final segment here in Hour 2. Coming up in Hour 3, Harold Grader will join us for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour. Uh, before we give you a chance to win some tickets for the Tigers and Boise State, uh, another football, another form of football. Uh, it's called soccer. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be joined by Stephen Glass. He's the head coach of Memphis 901 FC. They got a big battle on Saturday against Birmingham, but they are in the postseason for a third straight year after last week's win over Tampa Bay 4-2. We'll talk to him. And then tonight, the nationally ranked University of Memphis women's team at 8-1 and 2-0 in the American Conference. Team that made a run into the Sweet 16, I believe it was, last year. They are home tonight. Big battle in conference against SMU. SMU, which will be leaving to go to the ACC. I believe it's free to the public. They're playing at home over on South Campus. So if you want to go check out some really good women's soccer, check out that Memphis women's team tonight against SMU. Speaking of free, I've got some free tickets for the Tigers and Boise State coming up uh, Saturday out at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. We've got a four-pack of tickets that I will give to caller number five. Caller number five at 360-8255, 360-8255. Caller number five gets four tickets to go see the Tigers take on the Broncos of Boise State on Saturday afternoon out at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. So while you dial in to try to win the tickets, uh, again, I want to give you the opportunity if you want to call in or text in to talk about the game on Saturday. I, I think because it is a team of significance uh, that has never played Memphis before, that the crowd with the combination of really nice weather, the importance of the game, and the 2003 New Orleans Bowl team being honored, it's going to be a really good crowd. I would be surprised and disappointed if it was not. But I, I also believe that this, even though it's a... We have our winner, by the way. Yeah, that was quick. Even though this is a non-conference game, next week's game against Tulane, I know is much more important. You're trying to get to the American Conference Championship game, and that'll be a tall task against Tulane 
right now the the best team in the American. They proved it last year, are proving it so far this year. But I think that this game is extremely important for the Memphis Tigers. This is a crossroads game. I think if you go out there, you win again, and you've been winning at home. You've been taking advantage of this home cooking. If you take care of business, that's a real nice win, a real solid win over a, a good Boise State team. Maybe not necessarily a great Boise State team, but they're traveling a long way. You need to win this game. Have that momentum. Have that crowd support to go into that two-lane game next week where hopefully – Next Friday night, a week from this Friday, again, it's a Friday night game, a week from tomorrow, that you have a huge crowd. You will lose some of that momentum. Two weeks. Excuse me, that's right. Next week's the bye week. Uh, But you will lose that momentum, especially having a bye week and kind of out of sight, out of mind. Grizzlies getting ready to start. College basketball getting ready to start. It's extremely important. Although the whole goal of the Tigers to get to the conference championship game is still in front of them, even if they would – happen to lose this game. But I think it's extremely important to get the fan base revved up for football and what the rest of the season could mean. You lose this game, you're going to be probably a slight underdog, I would imagine, even though it's at home and you've had success over Tulane at home, against the Green Wave. Right? Wouldn't you think think so? so, Yes. So I, I just think this is a crossroads game, an extremely important game. I expect the Tigers to play well. I thought last week, again, nobody's in the moral victories, but physically they matched Missouri. So physically, I'm, I'm excited after I was very disappointed in the first half against Navy from a physical standpoint. They're relatively healthy. The kickers are the ones that are hurt, but the kid came in and did a really nice job, Gillis, against Mizzou. But can they prevent costly mistakes? Take advantage of every possession you have. Cash in. Score points. Uh, Can the defense fix some of those holes that they had last week in the middle of the field against that passing game of Missouri? This is not quite the same passing game, but it's still a capable team, especially if that running back can get loose. But limit the mistakes. Seth needs to be more consistent. At times, he's spectacular. As you said, he was over 70% completion rate uh, percentage until this past game. He drops under 70. Still very good. But five interceptions already. And that's going to be a key for him is to not make those mistakes. They don't need to give those possessions to Boise State where they could take advantage of things. I, I like the Tigers' chances to go in Saturday's into Saturday's game, maybe not dominate, but win handily, take care of business, and have, again, the excitement back for Tigers football of the possibilities that could happen down the stretch. Yeah, it's certainly important if, you, if you're – I mean, what you want to accomplish. One, obviously, the conference is the thing, but you're hoping that if you are able to win the conference, you get an opportunity to be that New Year's Six Bowl representative. This very well could be the Mountain West Conference champion that you are facing. So they are going to be one of the top teams as far as competition goes for that. They are picked, they were picked overwhelmingly to win the Mountain West Conference. Um, last year, they lost the championship game, but went undefeated in the conference during the regular season. So they figured to be competing for that and then in turn competing for that spot. Um, so if you lost a home game to them um, and it came down to comparing you versus them, that probably that doesn't bode well uh, for the Tigers. So and and yeah, I mean, Tulane is Tulane's really good and it's going to be a very difficult game in a couple of weeks. You lose this one. 
You could be looking at a three-game losing streak. Um, if you do fall to Tulane, that certainly um, we know how fan support can be in this town. If suddenly you've got a three-game losing streak, um, there will be a lot of people at that point who would be unhappy with Ryan Silverfield, all of these other things. So um, there's a lot that goes into this game. Mm-hmm. Going into a bye week, you, you certainly don't want to go into a bye week with two straight losses. Um, that's no fun way. That's not a fun way to spend two weeks. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of importance in this game. And let me clarify, when I say handily, I, I don't mean a blowout. I don't expect a blowout. But I expect Memphis to win the game where it doesn't come down to the final seconds. I think they should be able to win by a solid touchdown to 10 points. I, I do. Um, we will have our pick six coming up later today. In fact, the next hour. And I'm trying to remember what number we had for our for our line for the Tigers game. It is a... Three-and-a-half-point spread. Memphis favored by three-and-a-half. Again, I'm giving away my pick, but I, I think the Tigers should win by a touchdown to 10 points. And I don't think that's you know crazy to think that they should do that. All right. Again, if you want to text in, hit us up with a, a text on the Tigers, 360-8255. One texter says, uh, if there's one thing this town does well, it's not show up. This team could beat Georgia, and unless they're undefeated, they would not show. Yeah, I... I have no idea how many fans will be there on Saturday. I don't, I don't know what to expect, and I am, I've long gotten out of the what is a good crowd for Memphis football. Yeah, I don't understand that whole deal either. Um, again, what they say, what it is, the count is everybody's ticket being. I I don't know, but if we are throwing out a number, I would think after the first two home games were announced at twenty five. I would be very surprised and disappointed if this wasn't at least over 30, more towards 35,000 people. I don't think that's asking too much on what should be a really nice day, middle of the afternoon, so you still have your mornings, you still have your evening. And again, for Tigers fans, and I remember the lean years. I was here, I got here in 19, the end of 1995. I remember uh, our friend Rip Shear and the struggles offensively. They couldn't score points and you know, they'd lose 10 to 3. I remember those days, and then I remember how jubilant everybody was when that 2003 team went to the New Orleans Bowl, and for the first time in a long time, the Tigers were going bowling, and everybody was going crazy over it. Well, that team will be here. Not everybody, but a lot of those players will be here, and they will be honored. And I'm sure a lot of Tigers fans, a lot of supporters will be there to show their love for them. I, yeah, I would I would hope so, but um, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Arkansas, all at home this week. Um, Ole Miss is a night game, correct? It's a five o'clock game. Eh, that's a weird time. So I, um, yeah, they might get over thirty thousand. I would be surprised if you get close to thirty five thousand. Uh, NFL mentioned uh, Week Four begins tonight with the Lions and the Packers. We'll have that game for you right here on Sports Fifty Six. Just taking a look at some of the. Odds for the NFL week. Detroit is a two-point favorite tonight on the road in Green Bay. When's the last time you think Detroit was a favorite at Green Bay? I have no idea. I bet you have to go back years and years. I I can't imagine that in recent times that they would have been favored. They probably haven't even been favored in Detroit, let alone in Green Bay. On Sunday, Rams at the Colts. That is an even. That's a pick game. Bengals at the Titans. The Bengals are a two-point favorite. The Titans right now 
are they are at a crossroads. They can't find any offense. The Bengals are one and two. They certainly don't want to go to one and three. They're a better team than the Titans. Can the Titans figure out a way? If not, they fall to one and three. Jags and the Falcons are playing. Where are they playing? In England? The, the international uh, series begins. England, yes. Jacksonville is a three-point favorite. I, I can't wait for the Dolphins and the Bills in Buffalo. Buffalo is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The high-scoring Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. The Broncos and the Bears. How bad are the Bears? Bears at home, three-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Denver Broncos, who just gave up 70 to Miami. That's how bad the Bears are. Browns and the Ravens. Browns a three-point favorite. Big game in the AFC North. Steelers and the Texans. Steelers are a three-point road favorite in Houston. Vikings and Panthers. Vikings a four-point road favorite at Carolina. Both teams are 0-3. Bucks and Saints are each 2-1. New Orleans a three-point favorite in the Dome over Tampa Bay. Eagles and the Commanders. Philadelphia an eight-point favorite over Washington. That's a big rivalry. Of course, when they were the Redskins, nothing like the Redskins and the Eagles and all those battles. The Raiders and the Chargers, both teams at one and two. Chargers a five-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Patriots and the Cowboys. Zeke Elliott returns to Dallas. Will it be a happy homecoming? Patriots are a a six-and-a-half-point dog. Cowboys defense has the... Wake up after what they did last week. They'll wake up, won't they? I mean, last week was one of those deals where maybe I should have seen it coming that they were going to just overlook Arizona. But then I thought even overlooking Arizona, Arizona was going to tank for Williams, tank for Caleb. They didn't. Cardinals and the 49ers. 49ers are 3-0, and trying to stay unbeaten. They're a 14-point favorite over the Cardinals. And then the Jets and the Chiefs. Sunday night football. The rumors are that Travis Kelsey's Girl, we think, unless it's a hoax, Taylor Swift will be at that game at MetLife in the Meadowlands. Chiefs are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Monday night, we're back to the single game, the Giants and the Seahawks. Another game at MetLife. Seahawks and the Giants are a pick em. There you go. That's a look at what's happening in the NFL. Jason Munz tweeting at the Billy Richmond. Four-star, number 31 overall recruit, will start his official visit with the University of Memphis Tomorrow, last weekend, it was uh, Curtis Givens III. These are two guys high on Penny Hardaway's radar to try to land for the 2024 recruiting class. Well, folks, the fall, there's nothing like those caramel apples from Dinstall's. We've been talking about that for a number of weeks now because it is caramel season. We're smack, or apple season. We're smack in the middle of apple season. And those delicious fresh caramel apples are available at Dinsel's, plus the caramel with the pecans, the caramel with the chocolate, the caramel with the chocolate and the cashew crunch, and then the ultimate, the turtle apple, the caramel, the pecans, and the chocolate. All different combinations of those delicious apples. I think they're the the, the granny, what do they call them, the granny smiths? I think that's what they use at Dinsel's at all five locations. When you're thinking about the fall, think of the apple season and think of Dinstall's. But also, think tailgating, right? You're going to have some tailgating parties, whether it be high school football, college football, whatever the case may be. Pick up your delectables from Dinstall's. The cashew crunch, the chocolate footballs, the turtlelets, and all their great candies and chocolates. You want to ship it anywhere in the United States? They'll do that for you. 
That'll make somebody really, really happy to get a nice little gift from Dinstall's Fine Candies and Chocolates. And they've been making those candies and chocolates for over 130 years. It is hard to believe they've been around that long, but they absolutely have. Five convenient locations. They have the new renovated Laurelwood store. If you haven't been in there, you need to check that out. Germantown, Collierville, Pleasant View, where they make the candies, and downtown Memphis. It's Dinstall's Fine Candies and Chocolates. Get your tailgating delectables today. When we come back, Hour 3 of the program, Harold Grader joins us for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 